Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to your favorite podcast with your three favorite geniuses giving their not-so-genius things on all things TCU sports and other interesting things. I've got a little bit to say about baseball. We unfortunately don't have much to say about tennis because we didn't do anything this week. And then we will dig into what you guys have been waiting for, our basketball games against Texas Tech and, shoot, who'd we beat yesterday? Cincinnati. Oh, uh, Cincinnati. And from that, uh, we also have plenty to say about our upcoming games against Baylor and BYU. We have got a lot going on for the Frogs this week. Um, for starters, like I said, we're really not the baseball podcast. If you want more detail, go check out check out Lupton Drinking Club. But I care about baseball too much to let us not talk too much about it. So I, I need just a moment here. Um, Tuesday, our midweek game, we beat Texas State who, don't get me wrong, Texas State is a pretty solid team for our midweek games. But also, we were real sloppy against them. I was really, really concerned. We made some very fixable errors. We made some really sloppy decisions. We went 11 straight batters in the middle without getting anyone on base. We gave up an inside-the-park home run. And it was close enough of a game that we had to wheel out uh, our closer, a belt, for the Tuesday night game. And even a belt, our our great closer, let the leadoff man on base. And that particular man he let on base, we let on base five out of five times at bat. So that was a rough game. However, I asked for Murr out of the third inning. We have now made it through four consecutive third innings without giving up four runs an inning. <laughs> um, we did a better job. Starting pitcher made it five innings. We didn't have to pull him in the third. That felt good. Most importantly of all, and we'll get more into this when I get to my player awards at the end. Luke Boyers got out, but in his getting out, the pitcher screwed up and had made a balk. So we called back the out, bringing Luke Boyers onto first base. Luke Boyers got a walk to load the bases, which led to two runs coming out of the bases loaded position. And Luke Boyers caught the ball for the game winning out. Last week after I gave him the golden player, everybody, I had multiple comments from our listeners saying, oh, that's a funny joke. We are not kidding. Luke Boyers is a star and it showed. That being said, then we got into the weekend game. That was much more of a big deal. We played UCLA number 20. Um, as of right now, when we're recording, we have beaten them on our Friday and Saturday game. And we are up, I can't see the score right now, but I believe 7-0. to zero Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, we're up 7-0 to zero against UCLA. So I'm feeling good about today, but there is a lot of time left for us to screw up. Friday, the announcer said Curtis Byrne was off to a slow start this season. He immediately replied by getting a two-run home run and has been on fire since that moment all weekend. Uh, Chatnier has been so good. He's new to the team this year. He's been pretty good offensively as a leadoff man, but he's been incredible in the field. He's made some awesome plays against a, like I said, number 20 UCLA. We've gotten a lot of double plays, many of which thanks to Chatnier being very good. Uh, Chatnier hit his total seals on the season already from last year, but I think that's because he didn't have many last year. We also were smart and didn't let Tolly get super stretched out in the sixth when it was finally time to pull him. We made it through the third inning again, but the last couple of games we'd get to the third inning and not only would we be screwing up, but we'd draw out too much of them. When he started struggling, we pulled him and let him go. Um, I think we've been outstolen this series. I definitely wrote that in my notes on Friday. I think it's happened to the whole series, which is rough for a TCU game that is known for that, for our stealing. Um, Saturday, that showed Logan Maxwell had a huge base running mistake, and it led to us getting him picked off, and we lost runs we could have gotten that time. Curtis Byrne continued being on fire. He should have gotten out to end the inning, but instead he absolutely drilled the ball into the umpire, which continued us going. 
if not for them calling that umpire interference, we probably would have gotten a run out of the position. <laughs> um, Him, Brody Green, uh, and Chatagnier were all awesome. Everybody's been awesome. Most importantly on Saturday, though, Luke got hit by pitch on Friday and Saturday because they are afraid to pitch to him. And once during a Luke Boyer's out bat, it was an easy steal because the pitcher was so focused on Boyer's. Uh, now we're today. I can't say much about it. It's, I mean, we're 7-0, so it's been a great start, but it is only the third inning. So we could give up four runs right now and break our break our streak we had going. We had a really bad start on in the outfield. We immediately let the bases loaded with no outs. We got very saved by our ability to pull double plays that we've been showing off well this year. Uh, on the flip side, we've looked really good on offense to start the game, but there's a lot of time left. Upcoming, we've got uh, Jacob mentioned our home schedule last week. Just to put in perspective how impressive our home schedule is, we have UCLA today, Washington State on Tuesday, and Arizona on Wednesday. We have two midweek games this week, and both of them are Pac 12 teams that are not jokes of a team by any means. Then this weekend, we've got USC, Arizona State, and USC again, all at Globe Life Field. For those who remember last year, we have a very good record in Globe Life Field. We only lost once there last year. We beat a lot of very impressive teams there last year. We won a Big 12 championship last year. I think we beat Vanderbilt and Arkansas in Globe Life Field at the beginning of the season. Uh, and we were averaging well over 10 runs a game when we were at Globe Life. We are not the same home run hitting team we were last year, so I don't know if we should expect that much, but we are still a Mac Daddy offense, and that's a stadium we play well in. Um, I will wrap this up now. Golden Player Award, obviously Luke Boyers. He's been in their heads the whole time. He honestly is starting to look dangerously similar to the way Imani Bailey was in these player words during football season where we might have to make an award just for him. Uh, for Frankincense, it was hard because Luke is well and above the rest, but there is a strong team out there. I think I'm giving it to Curtis Byrne, but Brody Green gets an honorable Frankincense as well as Chatagnier getting an honorable Frankincense or Frankincensational, I should say. And last but not least, there wasn't much I wanted Murr out of his, at, at all. We had a lot of base running mistakes that we could ask Murr out of. So, but our base running also did a lot really well. So I didn't want to put them in our more out of, there were things that could be corrected uh, for now. I'm putting it at Zach Morris because the first inning as of where we are, were, are in the game when we're recording, he's been doing badly, but honestly, we've still given up zero runs. So even that I can't really complain about with that, unless y'all have anything more you want to say on baseball, we can move on to this week's game. First, I guess, our less fortunate game against Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, I'll start us off against for this Whoops. Texas Tech game. Um, really interesting game, I would say. Uh, a, a tough loss uh, coming off of a one-point loss. Obviously, at Tech, we were up for a decent amount of time in the second half. Um, Tech spread the ball around and did a better job of getting points from – more people than just Pop Isaacs in this game. They had four guys with 14 or higher points, um, six guys with eight or more points. And honestly, I think that was really the big difference. Isaacs got most of his points from the free throw line, actually. He was 11 of 12 from the line. Um, in a game where Emmanuel Miller had 15 points, 12 rebounds, uh, we ended up having six guys with over 10 points. And so showing off again, that depth of this team and the fact that we can get scoring from a lot of different places, um, again, bodes really well for come tournament time. This does hurt our tournament resume, especially with Joe Lenardi and how little he actually supports TCU basketball. Um, my guess is that we probably end up as a nine seed. Although if you look at Jericho Henrio's post from last week about all the differences between TCU and some of the teams ranked higher. And there's, there's really not that much of a gap. So tough loss. Um, I, I thought Mustafa and Coles played really well, considering that Uday's been out. Um, 
Cole's coming back and providing a scoring option has been really nice to have. Mustafa has been pretty solid on the offensive side uh, as a big. And then Cork has stepped up on the defensive side whenever we've had to sub him in and out. But um, I think we're definitely missing Ernest Uday, and I think that he probably could have been a difference maker in this game had he been healthy. Yeah, especially since um, Tech was without their center as well. So it's kind of an interesting game from both sides. I I thought TCU played really well this game. Like, we lost. That sucks. But this was one of the most fun games to watch as just a pure basketball strategy fan because without Tech Center, we were able to play inside a little bit and play a little bit inside out, which TCU doesn't do. And that's why you saw in the Tech game in particular, Mustafa had 10 points. He's five for six from the field. Cork got into some foul trouble early and didn't really play the rest of the game. Um, And we played a lot of small ball with Coles at the center because Tech didn't have their center either. Um, But overall, really wasn't mad about this loss. I felt like before the game, if we had won, it would have been a luxury. And so so I didn't really go, go in expecting to win. The fact that we were close, I was extremely happy with. I didn't think it would be terribly close. Um, But yeah, I thought we played well. It was a good team game. And it was really fun to watch our centers go to work a little bit. I, I had a great time watching that. Yeah, I, w- I would say the difference in the game kind of towards the end after we started losing our lead was was really we got complacent um, with our offense. And I think to your point, like we did a really good job throughout most of the game of playing inside out, getting to the rim. We had 44 points in the paint, which is fantastic. Um, I thought towards the end of the second half, we got complacent, started taking a bunch of threes, which is not our offense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, unless it's Trey Tennyson. And then that just kind of let Tech come back, and that was that. Um, it was it was a tough kind of sequence towards the end of the game. It was back and forth. Wasn't really sure who was going to come out on top, but the fact that they started out on top um, with that kind of back and forth sequence just made it that much more difficult. But, yeah, yeah I'm, not, of, I'm not worried speak- about this loss. Yeah, no. Well, um, I I had in trouble with some of my friends for saying this isn't a must win lo- a must win game, and everyone was like, "Well, everybody, every game's a must win game." Truth of the matter is, this one really what we said last week. I mean, Barrett and I picked us to win because we aren't haters, but the truth of the matter is, like, we talked last week about this being a very possible loss, and as long as we took the Cincy game, that'd be fine. Yeah, um, I just want to touch on our three point shooting a little bit in this game. We did not shoot well. We were five from nineteen or five four nineteen from the field. But something that's interesting is that's been the anomaly for our team this year. Like, yes, we don't take that many threes. We should probably shoot about eleven to twelve per game with Tennyson taking four to five of those threes. And we're shooting probably 35 to four, probably around 40% as a team. I'm trying to find the numbers, but I can't. Um, shooting 26% is has really been the anomaly this year, which has been nice. Um, we did take too many threes this game, but as a whole, our team just didn't shoot terribly well uh, in any phase. Like Tennyson was one for six, Jameer Nelson was five for 11, Coles was five for 11, Chuck was 0 for three. Um, it, it just, just a bad shooting game. And that happens during the course of a long season. So we bounced back in a big way against Cincinnati. Um, yeah, not worried about this game. We are in fourth place as of right now in the conference standings. Um, one game behind Kansas and three games behind Houston. And as long as Houston is in that top spot we own the tiebreaker over baylor and texas tech so we'll and stay to be fourth. fair if you take out the fact that the refs cheated we're one game ahead of kansas exactly but yeah if we beat baylor on monday night then that 
I think that would pretty barring collapse that would cement us in to that kind of number four spot in the Big 12 standings. Beat Baylor Monday night also, it guarantees you a 500 record in the Big 12, which don't we might have done it once, but I think most of the time we're like eight and ten. Um, I don't know, I'm really optimistic about us getting to 10 wins in the Big 12, um, possibly even 11, which would be massive considering what what pundits are, are saying about us, like, oh, eight, nine seed. Um, just to be like, oh, yeah, well, you might say that, but we finished fourth in the Big 12 beating all of these legit teams. So, yeah, we uh, we have anything else on tech or do we want to move forward to uh, Cincinnati? Let's move on to the happy side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Cincinnati was Almost Cincinnati was a much worse game to watch because we handled them so comfortably. Yeah, I I would say the biggest difference in this game compared to whenever we played them in Cincy is John Newman III. John Newman III is one of the better perimeter and lockdown defenders in the entire country. He was in foul trouble basically this entire game and did not play as many minutes as he did last game. And it really opened the floor for, like, specifically Eman to kind of go in and work. Um, he was tasked with guarding Eman last time we played them and kind of shut him down for most of the game. Um, but uh, Bandago, their big center, I, I talked about him kind of last week whenever we were talking about kind of what to expect. He was fantastic this game as a rim protector, but. Honestly, Mustafa had that dog in him this entire game. He went straight at Bandago the entire game, and was not afraid of a seven-footer shot blocker. And honestly, I, I was super impressed with Mustafa again in this game. And same thing with Coles. Coles had 18 points this game, and it's it's been really nice to see both of those guys kind of step up to the plate with Uday out. Yeah, I, I've i been a Mustafa fan since he announced he was transferring to TCU. Um, I think he's not athletic at all. And I kind of love that fact about him because nobody really expects him to do anything. But his post moves are extremely defined and polished. And he's just a great technical basketball player. And he's smart, too. Like, yeah, he might not be fast enough or athletic enough to get to the places where he needs to be, but he knows that he needs to be there. And that leads to him more often than not moving before most other players would. And that makes up for his athleticism. Um, I'm really happy that we got a blowout. This is actually Cincinnati's biggest loss of the year. Uh, yeah, they the lost announcer was saying that they haven't given up any blowout losses apparently. Mm-hmm. So that was, no, they lost uh, Iowa state by nine. Um, okay. At Iowa State, and then we beat them by 18. So, big one. Like, the biggest difference for me in this game is we got completely overwhelmed the first time we played Cincinnati by their size. They were overly aggressive, and they kind of imposed their will on us through being about the same size or a little bit bigger than our guys. And this game, we didn't allow them to do that because of our Egyptian pharaoh, Isam Mustafa just deciding that he was going to do whatever he wanted on the offensive end. Have Mustafa, the Egyptian pharaoh, and uh, Jared Wiley spoken much? I think there's a wonderful conversation to be had there. (laughs) Oh, man. we should we should at both of them on Twitter and see if we can get this discussion started. I'd I'd really love to have the discussion hosted here. We wouldn't even talk. We'd just let them have out their debate here on the podcast. <laughs> Do the pyramids exist? Jared Wiley and and the Egyptian Pharaoh. <laughs> so. Well, because here's the thing: one of two things is true. One, Mustafa believes they do. In which case, we could have a wonderful debate in which he'll take the affirmative and Wiley takes the negative. Or two, he believes they don't, which is a much more exciting option. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
have him having firsthand experience of probably having quote unquote seen the pyramids. Yeah, that that would be very interesting. Aristotle's excited about it already, just the aspect aspect of it. All right, we, we can continue on less important, more relevant topics. The, the last the last thing that I'll add. I had to for, touch on that. The last thing I'll add for this basketball game before we move on to something else. Um, we did a really good job running in transition in this game, at which we did not do a good job of last time we played Cincy. We had 25 points in transition. And so as you think about like this TCU team, we averaged 19 transition points a game, like fast break points which is like four more than the next closest team. Um, and so this was a really good game from the Frogs in terms of playing the offense that TCU likes to play, being able to beat the other team out in transition, um, creating 3v2s, 4v3s. At Basketball at the end of the day is a game of numbers. And then I think Jamie Dixon has figured out that if you can beat most of the other team down the court – it makes it a whole lot easier to play whenever they're down a man. <laughs> and so, I mean, especially when we don't have an offense. Yeah. It's the same way in soccer, right? You just try yeah. and create mismatches. So, mm-hmm. um, um, really good job from the Frogs. Side note literally, as we are recording, live update, but it won't be live for y'all. It will be days old when you hear this. We just finished the third inning, we did not give up four runs. But we gave up two runs and the bases were loaded the entire time, <laughs> cementing my mur out of Zach Morris and cementing my fear of third innings. We keep going. I just had to give that update as it came. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Emmanuel Miller for this game. Uh, I believe six assists is his career high. So shout out to that. And his three steals is a season high. Um, I think it was funny because Miller led our team in assists and Jameer Nelson led our team in rebounds. So kind of a flip-flop, um, a flip-flop of, of skills there. We got back onto our three-point shooting track here, shot 41% as a team. Um, I think that's pretty much where we are, although we took a bunch of threes. We took more threes this game than we did against Tech which is interesting. We just also made some. And part of that is Tennyson actually making his. He'd been kind of in a slump recently, which is why I think Dixon moved him to the bench. But it, it it's nice to get a blowout. It's just nice to win one. It really um, is. Just to win and to really win. Like to walk out yeah. just feeling good. That doesn't happen very often in the Big 12. No. And it probably won't happen for us this week. Um, we'll talk about that later. But while we're still talking about last week's games, our player awards, we're going to give the golden player out to Isam Mustafa. I said earlier I've been high on him all year. like the way he plays. It's just fun to watch. Um, and he hadn't been getting minutes because Uday had been hurt and then Cork was kind of above him because he's a little bit more athletic and, and can guard multiple positions. He'd been provided the opportunity for minutes. He outplayed Cork in both of these past two games, minutes-wise and points-wise. Really, just production in general, he outplayed Cork. And I think this is it's a it's nice to see that we have that quality depth in our bench bigs, just in case, I don't know, somebody accuses our, our head coach of racism and quits the team right before the big 12 tournament. We have a little bit of depth this year. That just throwing out a hypothetical there. Uh, To add to that, Mustafa in the Cincy game had a couple nasty, and I mean, filthy post moves in the game uh, where he sent his man packing. And so props to him. Like that, I think that's a dying art in this day and age in basketball. And the dude shows off that like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hakeem Olajuwon, Dream Shake, um, you know, low post big from the 90s and 80s. (laughs) Several people on Twitter were saying that he's Shaq with a free throw. (laughs) (laughs) 
I loved, I, uh, I think I was a little ahead of Barrett when I was watching the game. So every time Mustafa did something, I'd wait like a full minute and then get Barrett sending something in all caps celebrating whatever Mustafa did. <laughs> yeah, right, that, our, Barrett, our team actually went 14 for 15 from the free throw line today. So, wow, pretty good, pretty good. Most Barrett, do you want to take Frank and Sensational or do you want me to take it and you take Murr? Your call. Uh, I can take Frank and Sensational. Okay. So Frank and Sensational goes to a guy who um, was struggling in the middle part of the season, mostly due to a nagging injury, uh, has come back with guns a-blazing. Jacoby Coles, he's finally got his groove back. He started turning into that scoring option that we knew he was, that kind of mid-range maestro, if you will. Uh, he's done a great job as like a scoring option off the bench. And especially with Trey Tennyson kind of cooling off this season, it's been really nice having him as another go-to option for offensive firepower in that second unit. So hoping that that continues, hoping that he, he can stay healthy and that um, all of those foot injuries that he was dealing with, um, man, that was slowing him down. Doesn't look like it anymore. Yeah, I I was saying before this that when uh when Coles was coming out the last few weeks, I was getting nervous because he'd been kind of underwhelming for a little bit, and he had been so hyped up, but he finally lived up to it this week. Um, last but not least, once more out of, we're going with the training staff because we want Uday back before the Baylor game. Uh, we probably won't dive too much into that because we will get into why Uday matters when we talk about the Baylor game somewhat shortly, but we want him back ASAP. Yes. Uh, with that, we can get some picks in before we get off to this week's games. Uh, let's see. West Virginia at Kansas State tomorrow night. Absolute powerhouse matchup, Jacob. I'm going to go with Kansas State here. Barrett. Uh, you know what? I'm going to ride with West Virginia, but I hope Kirk Carissa has a terrible game. That's a wild pick. That was just the first game I saw, so I threw it out while I needed time to pick. <laughs> I Kansas State, dear Lord. <laughs> oh, no. um, Kansas State loses to West Virginia at home. That's just... That's the end. <laughs> yeah. All right. BYU at Kansas. Jacob. Uh, Kansas. I picked Texas to beat Kansas last week because I don't think Kansas is that good. And Texas got blown out because apparently Kansas is a little bit better than I thought they were. Um, Oh, sorry. I thought you were done. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say if it's at Kansas, Kansas is probably going to win. Exactly. Barrett. I think BYU has an offensive system that matches up well against Kansas because it pulls Hunter Dickinson out of the paint and they run a lot of offense through their center. And we'll talk about that more whenever we talk about the matchup for TCU. But um, that being said, I don't think that they have a lot of size to be able to deal with Hunter Dickinson on the opposite side of the court. And so I think that Kansas comes out on top. I think Kansas comes out on top for the exact reason Jacob said. I don't think they're better than Jacob thought they were. I just think that at home they have a certain advantage that makes them relatively unbeatable. <laughs> Texas at Texas Tech, Jacob. I'm going to go with Texas Tech just because I don't believe that UT is going to walk into that building and win. And I think that this game might push Texas a little bit to the to the outside of the bubble. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Barrett. Yeah, I'm gonna ride with Jacob on this one. I think Tech comes out on top. It's a home game for Tech. It's hard to beat them in Lubbock. Pop Isaac goes off for like 30 in this game. I I'm going with Texas Tech also. I I picked this one because it's somewhat of a rivalry game, but it's also certainly a rivalry game. For uh, for Texas Tech, and it's not as certainly a rivalry game for Texas. The motivation is going to be more for them. They are, I think, a better team, and they're at home. 
Um, so I'm I'm going with Texas Tech. Uh, t -t -t this game isn't this week isn't that excellent. Kansas at Baylor. I'm gonna go with Baylor to rebound after losing two straight games. Uh two straight games to Houston and and TCU. I know I don't pick Baylor hardly ever, but <laughs> I was like, I what just happened? I also forgot that I don't pick Baylor. I I um, hesitate to pick Baylor games. Like I do just because they're typically like good ranked matchups. But like at the same time, I hesitate to pick them because I'm like, well, I know Jacob and I won't offer any useful insights. Uh, I'm with Jacob on this one. I think Baylor pulls this one out. I think they come off of two straight losses, like he said, and kind of put Kansas in their place. I think you both should be shot. And that's the moderate <laughs> position. <laughs> Kansas is going to win by 540 because 90 isn't enough. <laughs> All right. And then we've got, uh, where is it? Baylor at TCU. Uh, TCU. Barrett? Go Frogs. Yeah, you guys better be after that absolute nonsense. Go Frogs also. And last but not least, TCU at BYU. Jacob. TCU. Barrett? Also go Frogs. Also go Frogs. What's funny is B Jacob picks against TCU sometimes, and I think I'm more offended by him picking against TCU. Or by, I'm more offended by him picking for Baylor than I am him picking against TCU. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, tell us why. This Baylor game's a big one. We beat them in triple overtime at their own house last time. Rivalry game incoming. I'm sure our student section will be hyped through the roof, but they'll also be coming with a vengeance. What should we expect to, uh, tomorrow or I guess maybe tonight when this is coming out, maybe last night when this is coming out? What should we expect? I think the biggest linchpin of this game is going to be whether or not Ernest Uday is back and healthy. Uh, Eve Misi was a problem for us last time we played Baylor. Uh, I expect him to be a problem again. He's got a lot of size, a lot of length. Um, and he's a decent enough low post threat. Uh, this is a Baylor team that runs through their point guard, Ray J. Dennis. Uh, he's got averaging six and a half assists per game. And pretty much every single person on this team besides their centers can shoot the lights out of the mm -hmm. arena. And so for a team that's averaging 82 points per game, um, luckily for us, like we, we are a really good team against three-point defensive wise and um, we hold our opponents to a really low shooting percentage from three but this is a better three-point shooting team than most of the teams that we faced and they're also honestly pretty athletic as well not as great on the defensive end so there is there is some ability for i think emmanuel miller will have a good game and um, i think he's a bit of a mismatch for this team they don't have really anyone fantastic with a little bit of size and speed to guard him. Uh, I hope Trey Tennyson, we get the the good version of Trey Tennyson this game. He knocks down like four threes. Um, but I know that uh, Dixon, they had mentioned, the announcers had mentioned last game how Dixon had wanted Avery Anderson and Jameer Nelson Jr. to start together the entire season, um, which I thought was interesting. But I think that... I don't necessarily know if I believe in that duo as much as Jamie Dixon does. Um, I think of the two, Jameer Nelson Jr. is definitely the better player. Uh, I personally think Avery Anderson plays out of control a lot of the time. And I think that if we give Baylor a bunch of easy buckets because we're turning the ball over in this game and they're a team that's not necessarily great defensively, that can be a big problem for us. Yeah, I think Baylor is going to start off extremely fast. I'm 100% expecting them to score 15 to 20 points in the first four to five minutes. Um, and I think this game is going to be a game of runs. I think Baylor will score a bunch. We'll work our way back by playing solid defense. Baylor will get lucky and hit a bunch of shots again. And it'll go back and forth like that. 
I expect Baylor to make the first run because of how we beat them in Waco and also how they just lost in a grind grinder to Houston um, well, in overtime. And also because when we came out very hot against Cincinnati, Barrett texted us both right off the bat and said, wow, don't see that often from us. Like just the way we play, typically yeah. the other team makes the first run. No, absolutely. Um, I, I, really, I really do think Baylor will start off quick. It'll be a close game all the way through. Um, yeah, I'm definitely scared about this game just because Baylor is coming off of a tough loss at home. And how the game against us ended last time, especially with those two, what they consider no calls were on our last inbounds where their guys were hugging our guys. So our guys kind of gave them a little, a little, not, not a, not a full on shove, but just a little push to get their personal space back. Um, and yeah, it, it should be a fun game. Overall, I think I think we can pull it out. We have the we have the experience to pull it out for sure. Um, but we need Uday back because as good as Mustafa is on the offensive side, he's not athletic enough to keep up with somebody like Misi. And I can only assume after the last two games we've had against Baylor that they'll try and injure Chuck O'Bannon as soon as they get the chance. <laughs> the O'Bannon yeah. cannon's going to come in and drop 30. <laughs> I mean, that's this is what I would give for that to happen. If, if Chuck O'Bannon is the reason we beat Baylor again, it will be the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> uh, if, if he's the reason we beat, we beat Baylor again, retire the number. Oh, it's literally at that game. Right after Replace the, game. the Gary Patterson statue with Chuck O'Bannon. <laughs> and but the, but he has to be mid shot, so the ball has to be like yes. behind his head. <laughs> yeah, he's good for like three or four just ridiculous games this season, and it just so happens that one of those every year comes against Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> We've had two of them from him this year because he went off, I think, against Georgetown as well. He was the reason we were still in that game. Yeah. Um, so that's two. And usually one of the four – one, uh, the whole postseason, he's a little bit different. But you can count on one Chuck game in the postseason as well. So we're still expecting one more big outbreak game from Chuck. The Maybe this Big 12 gauntlet has been so stressful that I forgot that Georgetown game even happened. <laughs> <laughs> Like everything prior to conference play just feels fake. That's because like everything prior to conference play is fake. That's just what the bracket experts don't understand. The Big 12 is just, that's what matters. Yeah. One might say that it just means more. Yeah. All right. Um, with that, you guys have anything more on Baylor? No, Baylor sucks. That's true. That's correct. All right, then we play BYU on Saturday at BYU. What should we expect out of this game? A lot of three-point shooting from them and a lot of three-point defense from us. Hold yeah. on. You're telling me that the white guys from Utah will be three-point shooting well? <laughs> yeah, it might be surprising. Um, I think that actually plays into our hands, though, because with three-point shooting comes long rebounds. And our guards are decent rebounders, and they like to run. So with long rebounds comes the opportunity to run. And our bigger guys get up the floor so well that we could get 25, 30 fast break points this game, which would play into our hands. I think the faster we can make this game, yes. the better. Yeah, BYU – for reference, shoots the second most three points a three point attempts a game at thirty two. TCU shoots only eighteen per game. Uh, almost they, half. Yeah, almost half as many three point attempts that BYU chucks up. They shoot a pretty decent percentage too. Um, they're averaging thirty five percent from three this season um, on a ridiculous number of three point attempts per game. They run kind of a 
a zoom motion offense. And a lot of it actually runs through like their point guard, Dallin Hall is a fantastic pass first point guard. And then they actually run a lot of offense through their center, Ali Khalifa. Um, mm, yeah. Another Egyptian. So we'll have an Egyptian, uh, Egyptian standoff with the, the twin towers of the great pyramids. Um, so you're lucky I'm too slow to come up with the joke right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is something to keep an eye on. Um, Khalifa is one of the best passers in the country and he's a center. Um, so this offense, they jack up a lot of shots. They try and just sh- basically shoot as many shots as possible and hope they beat you in a, in a boat race. Um, to Jacob's point though, that number of three-point attempts creates a lot of long rebounds. We're a pretty good rebounding team, I would say. And especially if we're able to get that long rebound and get out in front of the defense and run in transition. Um, if BYU is not hitting their threes in this game, I think this actually can turn into a blowout. Yep. Uh, and even if they even if they are hitting their average number of threes. You said they get 35% of their threes, which is impressive, but that also means that there are 65% of the second most three-point attempts being left available for our guys to rebound. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we'll need to box out well in this game in order to run mm-hmm. in transition. Um, one kind of interesting thing about BYU, I will say, um, I watched a lot of their team throughout this year. Ali Khalifa three-point shooting, passing big, like I said. Their backup, like, centers and forwards, though, are not three-point threats, Um, but they're both, like, really, really strong low-post offensive threats. And so it makes it a little difficult to guard them at times because you basically have to play one-on-one in the the post against their backup bigs because they have so many shooters on the outside and they're pretty decent passers. Um, And so... I will be interested to see how specifically Mustafa handles their low post threats. He's actually a pretty solid low post defender because of how intelligent he is. And so that is one kind of battle to keep in mind of like the kind of backup bigs, so to speak, uh, who's going to be the winner in that matchup. Mustafa is also just a large human being. Like that sounds dumb because like, Oh, he's six eleven, but He's also like 250 pounds. Too, like he's a big 6'11". Yeah. And be, you match that with his intelligence. That's why he doesn't do well against a lot of the big 12 bigs is because they're all – they're not necessarily stretch guys, but they're rim runners, really quick, skilled guys. You put him on the low post, and I think he becomes one of the better defenders in the big 12. Um, it's just – he does the matchups just aren't there yeah this this is an interesting matchup and jacob and i have talked about how byu is really really hard to beat in provo uh, they have mm-hmm. a really strong home court advantage there uh jackson robinson is leading their team with 14 points per game arkansas transfer shout out to him um he transferred at the right time he really did <laughs> he really did. Um, but yeah, so a lot of shooting on this team, uh, a lot of speed on offense. They pass the ball a lot. They move the ball really, really well as a total team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how our switching defense does against this team. They've got a lot of really intelligent cutters. And so I'm expecting to have a few kind of miscommunications on defense, get some easy buckets for them. Uh, But I think largely switching on an offense like this is actually pretty useful if you have the personnel to be able to do it, because it basically just clogs up the amount of motion that they have going on. So really interesting matchup. I'm excited to watch this game. Yeah, I think this will be a good game. I mean, BYU, their team, they're just a bunch of they're kind of sneaky athletic, I'd say, and just a bunch of lunch pail guys. High character, first in the gym, last out of the gym. Um, you just guys you'd you'd want to be friends with. Uh, and 
And because of that, they're they're just tough to beat. They put up tough performances against everybody. We have anything else on BYU? Nothing really. Um, th- these are both quadrant one games. We have, I think, we're three and eight right now in quadrant one. If we can pick up both of these games and be five and eight, we're into the NCAA tournament. Um, if we pick up one, four, and nine, that's a pretty good quadrant one record, um, considering that we're pretty much undefeated everywhere else. Yeah, like I'm completely happy, ha- happy with that. Um, but yeah, if, if we win one of these next two games, beat UCF at home and West Virginia on the road, it gives us 11 wins in conference easily in the NCAA tournament, um, which should be a great, uh, great tournament this year. And I'm actually also really looking forward to the Big 12 tournament. I think that'll be fun on this year with the new additions. Because yeah. you never know with a team like BYU, they could just get hot, especially in a tournament setting like that where you're playing day after day after day. They could get hot and beat everybody. Or Houston's defense could just end everybody else. I just don't want to um, go against Iowa State again. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with that. I don't I don't want to play Iowa State. <laughs> uh one last thing on this BYU game is that TCU actually shoots the three at a higher clip than BYU does. We're at like 35.7%, albeit on basically half the amount of attempts. But that is something to know is that like we, we've talked about how in the past Jamie Dixon's TCU basketball teams have struggled from the three-point line. That is not the case this year. We don't take a lot of threes, but we are actually really, really good from the three-point line. Yeah. Um, and it adds a nice little wrinkle to this offense, especially running in transition. It gives you the opportunity to kick out to a shooter on the outside if they wall up and clog the paint. Yeah. And what we're talking about shooting percentages – I've seen people all over Twitter and the sports board. They are all complaining about um, how Jamie Dixon's coaching isn't good because our guys aren't hitting their free throws. And I just want to say through non-conference, we were like number two in the big 12 in free throw shooting at like 79, 80%. Yeah. We dropped a little bit, but we've also gone like 14 from 15 from the line last game. And there were several games during big 12 that we won on our free throw shooting. Guys making or missing their free throws doesn't come down to coaching. It comes down to execution and just making your free throws. They practice I will free throws. not tolerate Dixon hate. Uh, it's the same as when, when Baylor hired Patterson and everyone was complaining about Patterson. I had tweeted out something like a lot of these fans weren't here for the Mountain West days and it shows. As somebody who grew up a TCU fan... I watched some bad basketball seasons in the pre-Dixon era. We are likely to go three consecutive appearances in March Madness, which will be the first time TCU has done that since ever. There was not a 50 years ago. There was a never. We've never done that. Dixon, now I get my fierce loyalty to our guys would have led to us not letting Patterson go when we needed to and not getting Sonny in time to get our national championship run. But at the same time, Dixon is not falling off the way Patterson was. People want to complain because we live in a world where people like to complain. Dixon is doing better for us than anyone has literally ever done. Like prior to this, it was he's doing better for us than anyone has done since he was a player. Now it's just than anyone's ever done. And unless Dixon gives a real reason for us to complain, I don't want to hear a word of it from them. The only things I want to hear from them are our dicks in their mouth. Yeah, people are always like, oh, we need to be raising our expectations. We need to be trying to be an Elite Eight team. We're not a basketball blue blood. We don't get those recruits. Also, we need to, I would love for us to be an Elite Eight team. You, stranger from Twitter, tell me what we can do to be an Elite Eight team. Let me know the Elite Eight, regular Elite Eight caliber coach that's just sitting there saying, man, I wish I was at TCU right now. Like, <laughs> we we need guys like Dixon to improve us if we ever want to get there. We don't get to just pour out the Mark Bezos money one night and suddenly be an Elite Eight team. It's a process. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm perfectly happy with having the second round of 
the NCAA tournament be the benchmark? Like if we can get to the second round, we're a top 32 team in the country. And we also are probably a little bit better than that, seeing as the past two years when we have reached the second round, one, we should have beaten uh, the number one overall seed in the tournament, Arizona, if it weren't for refs just completely blowing it. And we took Gonzaga to the brink when we didn't have a big man. And we were playing against Drew Timmy, who's one of the better big men in recent years. Yeah, there's was- there's n- nothing wrong with aiming for the second round of the NCAA tournament and just trying to gain the experience so that maybe one of the times when something happens like this year, when the majority of your team is seniors, you can make a run and push for Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I, to add my two cents here, I personally love Jamie Dixon. I think Jamie Dixon was a fantastic. Right I, I think he's a fantastic coach. He was fantastic when he was at Pitt, and mm-hmm. whenever they were like top ten team on a consistent basis. And part of the reason I say that is, if you go and look at all of the top coaches that are like widely considered top coaches, like Kelvin Sampson, for example, um, every single one of them is known for a specific thing for their identity for their basketball teams. Kelvin Sampson's is their defensive scheme and how they play defense. You look at this TCU team this year, we have a specific identity that the guys have bought into. It is run and gun. We're going to beat you down the court. And it's not particularly close. And you look at the announcers in every single game, every announcer talks about how TCU is the fastest team in the country. There are announcers who are talking, and it's clear that they've never watched a TCU basketball game in their life, and even they know that about TCU basketball. Yeah, we went from Eddie Lampton lost 310 pounds in one year every single game to, did you know TCU scores 59 fast break points every game? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that proves Barrett's point. Like our identity being, we have the guy who used to be fat is not the same as we are (laughs) very fast. Yeah. And so I think like we have a impressive reputation now and that's wonderful. We're also so like, as you think about like the best coaches in the country, they each have a reputation for a specific piece of their scheme. And Jamie Dixon has a hundred percent built that, in my opinion, with this TCU team and how fast we play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have anything left? All right. Go well, thank us. you guys so much for tuning in to your favorite podcast with your three favorite geniuses giving their not so genius takes on all things TCU sports and other related things. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at TCU's Three Wisemen. Like or subscribe to this podcast wherever you are watching it right now and other places if you really want to. And other than that, go frogs. <laughs> <laughs>